We, uh, we were, I was traveling a, a lot as a, a, at that time as an evangelist. In fact, we, had, uh, we served on staff at a church in the early 90s, and then uh, for about three or four years, which was the only time I'd served uh, on staff at any church, um, I'd been evangelized, like I said, since I was 16. And then uh, went back into the field of evangelism and ran across some people, and a, a girl named Molly Kelly, who'd come from South Africa, um, with Rodney Howard Brown, had gone to a Magnolia Christian Center and had mentioned to a Brother Paul about our ministry. Well, Brother Paul isn't really moved big by, you know, uh, he doesn't really, uh, he told me this at the time, he said, I don't really, I didn't really have people in on the recommendation of others because he had, you know, there have been times that worked out and then most of the time it didn't work out uh, too good for him and for his church. But there was something about Molly Kelly and her encouragement to have us that he said provoked him in his spirit. And so he decided to have us. And so we, we went and preached at the Magnolia Christian Center uh, there in Magnolia, Arkansas, uh, from the, uh, well, I'm, I think around 1996 uh, until, until uh, uh, Brother Trokel went into the mission field in 2002. So he's now serving as a missionary, but not in the way that you would think. One of the things that I recognized about Brother Trokel uh, when I met him <clears throat> back in the day was that he carried something that was unique. You know, some people want to emulate other people. Some people want to fashion their ministry after something that they've seen because it's attractive to them. But I noticed right away that Brother Trokel didn't try to do that. He really tried to be led by the Spirit. And uh, before we ever started breaking out in revival meetings, it was at Magnolia Christian Center that we had, I think it was a two-week meeting, and it was in the beginning of, of God developing that ministry in me and God releasing that that revival ministry, I mean, we, we went for a couple weeks. It might as well have been two years to go for a couple weeks uh, during that time. But, you know, uh, God, was, God was preparing us, and, and he was working some things in us. But I've always, uh, I've always admired his ministry. I've always admired the anointing that's on his life. I knew that uh, God, <clears throat> God called him to be uh, a giant in the faith. And uh, I think most people think that giants in the faith are people that have notoriety and are recognized and people who are on television and whatnot. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, most of the people that God raises up that are the most effective uh, in the kingdom, uh, we never know their names. You know, we never see them come across a television screen. And we're fortunate if we ever have an opportunity to run across those people and have them minister to us, whether it be the word of God or uh, through the laying on of hands or having them uh, pray for us. And um, I honestly really believe that this, uh, uh, what the, the, the whole purpose of us coming together here uh, in this meeting with uh, Brother Trokel is because uh, of a reconnection that God is bringing uh, between uh, our ministries. And what he's doing in, uh, in the mission field is very similar to what we're doing here in, uh, at Winter's Church. God's called us to raise up and to mobilize people to fulfill their purpose, to do the will of God in their lives. We're, we're, not, we're not here to play church. That's, that's why it's difficult for some people to connect with our churches because you, you don't just come here and sit at, in church. Uh, if you say God called you to Africa, we're going to get you to... I had, a, I had a guy who came and said, Lord's called me to Africa. Two weeks later, I've got a plan how to get him to Africa. At lunch, I'm talking about getting him to Africa. And he's like, whoa. He told me, he says, Whoa. He said, Pastor, he said, I haven't even talked to my wife about this yet. I said, dude, you, I thought you was going to Africa. 
And you know what? He is going to Africa two weeks from today. Amen. The Haas is going to Africa. So I don't know if y'all are still getting word from Brother Hans. I'm sure many of you are. I th- it's two weeks, isn't it? He's taking Teresa and Jonathan. They're headed to Africa. We're expecting to hear great reports of, of what the Lord does in and through them. But um, we, we're, not, we're not about sitting here and twiddling our thumbs. If you're, oh, God's called me to be an evangelist. Cherie's going to call you on the phone or text you or, or probably knock on your door or pick you up on a Friday and say, let's go. You know, we're going we're gonna to evangelize. We're going to do something. So God, God's called us to raise people up and to uh, mobilize them. You know, we can be more effective. I, I can add to the church. You know, the, uh, individually, we can add to the church, but when we raise people up to function in their purpose, uh, it multiplies the church, and God brings multiplication. And that's, that's, what, that's what it's really all about. You know, uh, for years, I went and I preached, and, and people came to hear me, and sometimes thousands of people, and sometimes, you know, 10 or 12 <laughs> 10 or 12 people, but um, people would usually come to just to watch us sparkle, <laughs> and it was more entertainment than it was anything, and the sick were healed, the bound were set free, but as far as anyone ever being effective for the Lord, I'm not sure a whole lot of that happened in the first part of my ministry, but now we're, we're, we're really seeing people raised up and mobilized, and that's why I want us to connect with Brother Trokel. I believe that God brought us together, not for me to go to Magnolia Christian Center. I believe God brought us together for this moment right now. We're, we're in the greatest moment of the church right now. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we believe God did things for another reason. I believe God brought them uh, back into our lives in this season of time because we need to be about the Father's business. And the anointing that's on his life is going to affect our church, and we're going to uh, be supportive of what they're doing, uh, what we can't do, you know, what we're not capable of doing. You know, Lord won't let me leave this country. Uh, He never has let me leave this country. Uh, I left once and got sick, and I just came back home, you know. (laughs) And that was just to go shopping across, right across the border. I mean, you know. (laughs) I even get a chance to preach. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyway. So, brother, brother Paul, I appreciate you, man. I love you. Listen, uh, make it, make a pull, make a demand on the ability of God that's in the man of God today. And let's. Oh, did I finish off? The, did I finish the offer? I didn't even finish the offering. Listen, uh, you can bring your offering anytime. You can text to give. Uh, text seven seven nine seven seven Winter Church. Um, I will. I am going to mention something that we are going to be doing as a church after Brother Trokel's uh, through. Uh, ministering and um, but I want you to I want you to sow today and sow uh, generously. You know the Bible says if you uh, sow generously, you'll reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. It's the truth. Uh, you ought to you ought to dig deep and give a heap. Amen. Amen. Some of you ought to dig out your fun money. You know, pull off your boot, take a, I mean, <laughs> put some sanitizer on it, <laughs> throw it in the offering plate. But uh, uh, so so big today. And because, you know, that, that makes a, uh, oof, I don't want to say that. You know, we, we, we quote a scripture a lot. Luke 6, 38. Given it shall be given unto you. Good, good, good measure pressed down, shake it together. Right shall men give into your bosom with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. When you're, when you're immature in understanding provision and supernatural increase, your, your, your emphasis in that verse is on, if I give, it's given to me, you know, good measure. And you, you know, you're all shaking together. Glory to God, running over. Men are going to give into my bosom. 
But as you, as, as you mature and as the Lord elevates you, you start, to, you start to relate to another part of that verse. And it's the part of the verse that says that man shall give into your bosom. All of a sudden, you start wanting to be the man that gives into the bosom of another. And when we, when we, when we get to that point, then we're dream fulfillers. God uses us to make dreams come true. Amen. Well, you know what? We're going to make dreams come true. Glory to God. We're going to be the men that give into the bosom of another. And so that's why I say to be generous. Some people are like, he's just trying to get our money. Absolutely. Before you spend it on something stupid. We can further God's kingdom and do the, do the work that God's called us to do. Amen. All right. Did everybody get in on this? Wonderful. Brother Paul, will you come? I love you, man. I am so privileged to have you here. Let's give Jesus a hand clap for Paul and Debbie Trokel. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, I don't know about John and the faith stuff. I, I feel more like a turtle on top of a fence post. What can you say if you saw a turtle on top of a fence post? So the only thing you could say, you say that boy had some help. So I've had a lot of help in my life, and part of that help standing right beside me. We've been. 42 years together, and of course we started, we were married when we was 12 and 11. <laughs> no, 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 but uh, she'd been all over the world with me, and uh, we got a lot more nations to go to. I think by December, it'll be, for me, it'll be 24, 25 nations going there, preaching the gospel, and, and uh, so she's going to share some things. Good morning. I'm going to talk for just a second so you can get used to my accent because I have one. I am from Louisiana, and I, I have an accent. So anyway, um, I was thinking about uh, what your pastor said about God not being uh, deaf. He's not. But the other part of that I've heard is he's not nervous either. And when you come to the house of God, this is where we come to cheer him. Amen. I was thinking uh, Friday night, you know, we lived in Magnolia, where he was talking about, for 20 years, and then we moved to Shreveport, Louisiana. But uh, Magnolia is a small community, but it has a little university, and I mean the people there support that university. And they were in the state playoffs for baseball this weekend. So Friday night, we were at that ba one of the baseball games, and they won it, by the way. But... Um, uh, won, the, won the whole thing, but Friday night, I mean, those people were crazy. That little, I mean, the place was packed, people cheering and going on and on about it, and nobody there was worried about that. Nobody was nervous that everybody was acting like crazies. Nobody cared that it was loud. Like That's Ted. what, huh? Acting crazy or like Ted. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were there for, was to cheer that team on. So, so when you come here, Jesus has done something. It's okay if you get loud and a little crazy about that. Okay, so all I was going to say when I came up here was that out, out in the front on that little round table, we... <laughs> Ted, I can't talk if you do that. <laughs> we put some little cards out there. If you want to sign up for our e-newsletter, 
you just put put your little email address here. Leave it out there. If you want um, like a hard copy, because we send those out uh, quarterly, then uh, give us your mailing address. We actually have a few copies of the last one we sent out, which was in April. We had some I brought. They're out there. Just take them if you want them. And we'd love to keep in touch with you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The Lord is so good. And uh, I thank God for uh, divine connections, supernatural relationships, and, and I don't take it lightly, and I'm not, I don't politic, and I don't push myself into anybody's circle. I trust the Lord to connect, to connect me to the people that I'm supposed to be connected with, and that's not, that's not going to be everybody. You're not going to be everybody's cup of tea, and that's fine. Uh, what I found out is God's got plenty enough to bless everybody. So we don't have to be nervous about who's getting blessed. Nobody's going to get your blessing. And God's got plenty where that came from. But, uh, you know, uh, when Ziggy came, it was really like, it was exactly the way he said. You know, I, people say, oh, you need to have this person in. And we had some big names. And we were, we were a small church at in the beginning. We didn't end up being a small church, but a small church in the beginning, and uh, as the church grew and multiplied, and you know, then then your phone starts ringing with some of the big big names, and we had our slew of the of the big names come through. Uh, you know, they never left anything behind. They never they never left. Ziggy did. Thank you, Jesus. He, he really. He left something behind, a, a spirit of revival. Oh, Once yeah. people get a taste of it, then they know what they're looking for, and they know what they need, you know. Yeah. And really, the, the funny thing about the word revival, if you think about it, you know, the church being in revival is really just the church rising up to normal. Go ahead, man. Yeah. They're, just, they're just rising up to what they're supposed to be. So revival means you're not being what you're supposed to be. But if you are being what you're supposed to be, you're in revival. I don't know if you've got to have somebody raised from the dead every Sunday before you believe you're in revival. But I'm telling you what I felt in this church this morning. I don't feel everywhere I go. So maybe, I don't know. You don't, maybe you don't know how good you got it. I don't know. You got to get out and move around a little bit, you know, find, oh, find out, find out how good you got it. Amen. You got it good. Got a good pastor. Oh, yeah. And uh, thank God, not chasing money, not chasing skirts. In today's world, that's pretty good. That's pretty high praise. I quit preaching and went to meddling, didn't I? But you know, I, I pastored for 22 years, so in my heart of hearts, I'm, I'm really still just a pastor, and that's really how I'm going to minister to you today. I'm going to love on you like a pastor would, and uh, God's just done great things, and, and uh, we have a short uh, video, I think, if you got it right. We went, uh, what we do that's different is we go where nobody wants to go. That's, go what, ahead, that's what we do that's different. We go where nobody wants to go. Because the places are, are miserable, some of them are dangerous, and some of them are, are right on the tip of the spear of a, of, a, of a society. 
that hasn't received the gospel yet, or it's the gospel in Islam and the gospel in witchcraft are at, at battles. So it's, it's frontline stuff. It's tough to even get, get to the places that we're going. It's tough to get there. And once you get there, it, it's tough being there. Uh, we don't even go to the bigger cities in foreign countries. We go, we go to the remote places inside those countries. We go to some of the worst places. Uh, we're about to go back to uh, Burundi to do uh, a leadership clinic. I've been, that's in Africa. I've been in Tanzania now for 19 years serving under Dr. Egan Falk. He's basically the Billy Graham of that nation. And I've been over his Bible college for 19 years, been the principal there, raising up leaders, sending leaders all over the nation of Tanzania. And now uh, God led us to step down. Now we're going to do what we've done there all over the world. So by the time 2020, 2023 rolls around in December, between now and December, I'll be in four different nations. So that'll be uh, Burundi again, Botswana, actually going to Athens, Greece to train Iranian leaders and, and Syrian leaders and Christian leaders who can sneak out of their nation, but I can't sneak in or I'll, I'll be killed. So we bring them out and, and uh, go to Athens, Greece. We're going to have a baptismal in the, in the Mediterranean. You just have to believe me when I tell you because we can't post their pictures on Facebook. At <laughs> least we all get killed. So, you know, those people, they track that stuff. And uh, then uh, we'll be going back to Tanzania as guest, guest speaker. But uh, tell you a little bit about it. This, uh, this is like a trip we went out in the bush uh, bush, what well, we, we say, bush, bush. You know what bush, bush means? Bush, bush is you go out in Africa and you find the country folk and you ask them, where are the hillbillies? <laughs> then you go there. So it's, it's, it's bush, bush. And, uh, you know, and I know people say, oh, I'm glad, I'm glad it's you and not me. Well, we're, we are too. <laughs> if you don't love the world, we want you to stay here. And uh, just like people that say, we don't ever want to have kids. Okay, don't. Because we don't want, need you to have any kids since you don't love them. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's, uh, we went out there, and uh, this is a former graduate. He's about 6'4". He's got a voice like Barry White. And, uh, you know, he begged me for years, come, come. Uh, okay, okay. So finally, didn't know. That he said, by the way, we're dedicating a building. And so, like, this is a village. This is just tiny village in the middle of absolute nowhere. 1,500 people showed up. And then he had a veil over the side of the building. Didn't know they were dedicating the building to me, which is kind of embarrassing. But they yanked the thing off, and there's my name. I was like, good golly molly. But uh, so it was, a, it was an honor and all that, but uh, I wasn't prepared for that. Then I asked him, he's graduate 2011. His name is Sylvanius, and I asked him, Sylvanius, how many churches have you started since 2011? He looked down to the ground. He started doing his fingers. He said, Thelathini Nanani. In Swahili, that's 38. 30, I said, you mean churches like this? He goes, yeah, like this. Like, what are you, that's what you told us to do. Why are you looking at me? I know, but, uh, you know. <laughs> so we've seen every miracle uh, un under the, we've seen, we've, we've, been blessed to see miracles, signs, and wonders on levels that people just talk about or read in books, and we've lived in it all these years. So go ahead, just a little taste of, uh, and that, that's a joke at the end. I'm acting like I'm sleeping, but we made up 
Christmas bags for 5,000 children. So I was tired. That's the guy dedicating them. I didn't know they were going to do this, but it is wonderful, and we are so honored. So tell him we are so honored. got in my lap. I don't know why. She's cute as a bug. That's, that's me being really, really tired. <laughs> I was just faking asleep. <laughs> Give the Lord praise. Amen. So we go back to, to Burundi. A lot of people don't know. You know, they heard about the genocide in Rwanda, but you, they don't know, understand that the genocide uh, actually started in Burundi, which is uh, uh, smaller than Maryland, and 300,000 people were murdered uh, there. And you can't murder that many people and it not leave an incredible hole in society, which, which it has. Now, what we find out when you go to those dark places where... Things like that have happened. Congo, um, I tell people when the devil lays his head down at night that his pill is in the Congo. All you have to do is look where life doesn't mean, where human life is worthless. That's where Satan rules. Wherever human life is worthless, Satan's right there. And I'm talking about, uh, you know, the Bible didn't hide the fact about witchcraft. Remember when, when Moses, uh, you know, went to Pharaoh and all the magicians made their rods turn into snakes. That stuff's real. We don't, we don't, people ask all the time, how come we don't see that in America? Well, the church in America is not operating in enough power to flush the devil out. Go ahead, man. He's, sit, he's sitting in our pews all civilized. Well, you, get, you, get, you get a church rocking with the power of God, you'll start hearing some squealing. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you just, it'll happen. Oh, yeah, so uh, God's, God's working in, in, in those nations, and what we found out, you go to the worst places in the world, and beyond 
any shadow of a doubt, you just pick. You just find the worst place that you can go to. You'll find God right, right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. I'm talking about an outpouring like, uh, you know, it's different there. I give an example. I had a, a student named Panangali. Panangali was about six foot three. He looked like he weighed about 125 pounds. And so I said, I talked to him. How'd you come to school? He said, well, my father, he's about six feet tall, real broad and strong. He's, into, he's a top businessman in our village. He was into witchcraft, big time witchcraft. So he got the witch doctor to bless his finances. So they, were, they grew up Aminist, which is witchcraft. So that's how Panangali grew up. They grow up knowing about witchcraft. They grow up, first of all, knowing about uh, Satan and his kingdom. They know about demons. They just don't know about God and Jesus. And, but they grow up in the spirit world, knowing that world. And so Panangali got saved. When Panangali got saved, it disgraced his father. So now his father decided, well, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. So he comes up behind him and coal cocks him, knocks him clean out, gets some ropes, ties him up in a tree. He's going to hack him in two with a machete. He's passed out. He can't find his machete, so he gets a rusty saw. He starts sawing into his side. Blood and guts pouring out. Panangali comes to, starts screaming. The village people hear it. They go and knock the dad down. They get Panangali out of the, out of the tree, and they, they send him to the only clinic that they have there, which is horrible. He lost so much blood that he went into a coma for two months. So, but this is very famous saying in, 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 in Africa among Christians. When he woke up, the first thing he did he called his friend to his bedside, and he said, go tell my father I'm not leaving Jesus. Go ahead now. It ain't in America some people leave church because somebody told you you look fat in that dress. <laughs> pa go ahead now. Pastor didn't speak to me or whatever. You get offended over, okay, ain't nobody strung you up, tried to cut you in two. Go ahead now. So we're dealing with different people that have a different, uh, they hold their faith in a more precious way. That's right. You don't really know what you're living for until you know what you'll die for. That's right. Now, the church in America is going to come to persecution. You better, now, let me just back up. The real church That's right. in America is going to come to real persecution. That's going to happen. And right now, the real church is separating from the false church. But it's not all bad news. At least we know who's who. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, then I'll get into the word. Listen, I am living proof that there's hope for you. I told uh, Ziggy that, you know, it's hard when you come to a congregation for the first time because you got... Your, your testimony of your life, then you got the ministry that you're doing, then you got the message. You can't spend all your time on all three of those. So I'm going to major on the message here, but I want to just share and try to give people hope because I'm, I'm, living, I'm, I'm living proof uh, that there's hope for people. I really am. Uh, my wife is here. She can testify uh, raised in a little southern town in, in North Louisiana, Spring Hill, Louisiana, and was raised in a very uh, dysfunctional home, highly dysfunctional, lots of, lots, lots of issues. Uh, 
lots of problems, uh, things that, you know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors type of stuff. You don't know what's happening. We went to church three times a week, but none of us were saved. We were just religious people. We sang the songs and prayed the prayers, went home, tried to kill each other. Go ahead, then. And I'm not talking figuratively. I'm not talking, I'm not talking figure, figuratively. I'm talking literally. Uh, I don't say these things. Look at me. I'm, I'm so blessed and happy and I'm whole. So when I share these things, don't feel bad and get all down about it. I'm just sharing them as a matter of fact, just so you'll know where I came from. Uh, by the time I was 14, my mother had three clinical nervous breakdowns. She tried to kill herself four times. I stopped her twice myself as a young kid, literally stopped her in the act of committing a suicide. Stopped my dad from murdering my brother. He was killing my brother, and I had to stop him. Uh, mother tried to run over my father. That was embarrassing. She missed with the car and hit the garage, and the whole thing came down. <laughs> I was standing in the yard as a teenager thinking, I wish I could just die right now. My daddy's dancing around like Muhammad Ali laughing at her, saying, you can't even hit me with a car. You know, and uh, my, so anyway, she died young. I led her to the Lord, but she died young. My brother killed himself. My father killed himself. And so, you know, uh, I saw things, but this is what I, this is what I've come to. Listen, there's nothing that's ever been done to you that's greater than what Jesus has done for you. That's right. Oh, yeah. And that's what, you've got to, that's what you've got to settle on. You know, the devil wants to magnify your pain to the degree that he makes it unique. Like, like your pain is unhealable because it's so unique. No, it's not. It's unique in the sense that it happened to you. That, that is unique. But there's a lot of people that have been through a lot of stuff. And the fact is, Jesus can heal all of it. And he can make you whole. He can make you whole. And I came from an absolute crazy uh, situation. In fact, in 1978, the United Pentecostal Church youth group had a meeting at New Year's Eve. And the youth pastor got up and preached, God is a God of the impossible. Think of the most impossible thing you can think of. Write it down and we'll pray over it and see God do it in 1979. Well, the pastor's daughter was in that youth group. Judy Trammell, who wrote down the most impossible thing she could think of. In 1979, Paul Troquel will be saved. Because that was the most impossible thing that she could conceive in her mind. So I'm, I'm walking down the hall my senior year. And, uh, and well, anyway, that note got passed up to her dad, the pastor. The United Pentecostal Church got passed up. This is Paul Trockel, who's he? Well, he's this crazy guy in town. You know, he's so lost and bad and evil, and, and uh, he needs Jesus. Well, he gets up in church and announces a, a church-wide two-week fast <laughs> for my salvation. Go ahead, man. Yeah. So I'm walking down the hall, and one of my football buddies comes up and jacks me in the arm. Now, you got to understand, we don't know nothing about nothing. He said, Trokel, you bad. I said, what? He goes, you're bad. I said, what are you saying I'm bad? He goes, you know that United Pentecostal church? <laughs> yeah, he goes, they're not eating because of you. 
they're not eating because he, I said, well, shut up, you know, I don't know who you are. And uh, long story short, through a series of events, God connected me with people. I found myself now, and when I was five or six years old, my mom and dad were beating each other in the back bedroom. And I used to scream my heart out trying to get them to stop. My, my two older brothers, they were, they were hardened to it. But it, when I heard them curse each other and beat each other, I would scream, please stop, please stop, please stop. I'd put the pillow in my mouth and scream till I almost passed out. One night, I was screaming like that, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came on me. Six year, six, six, about six years old, five or six, didn't know anything from anything. I sat up in my bed, and I felt warmth envelop my chest, all around my chest. And I said out loud, this is you, isn't it? Now, I don't know what to call him, but I knew it was God. I said, this is you. I laid down and went sound asleep, slept like a baby. Roll ahead 12 years. I'm 17 years old. And uh, when my dad left when I was 14, I told my mom, I'm never going to church with you again. It was a hypocritical church. And uh, I wouldn't say, but she asked me why. She broke her heart. I said, Mama, God's not at our church. She said, you just turned 14 and you know God. How do you know God's not at our church? I said, Mama, the people don't love each other. If the people don't love each other, how can God be there? Now, I, I'm not even born again. And I got enough sense to know. So I went absolutely wild. From 14 to 17, nobody could control me. From my mom down to my brothers, my, the police. No, nobody. I was, I was an angry young man. Angry young man. Loved to fight. Uh... So when I walked into that United Pentecostal Church that had been fasted for me, it was the middle of a praise service, and I walked in the back, and the Holy Spirit hit me. And I said, hey, 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 I remember this. This happened when I was six. Whatever that is, he's here. Now, some people get saved. They say, I got saved. I didn't get saved. I got rescued. I know that salvation is not anything you have to feel. It's a belief thing. It's a faith thing. You don't have to feel anything. The heavens don't have to open. You don't have to feel nothing to get saved. That wasn't my experience. I almost got in a fist fight at the altar because people were putting their hands on me and I was a street. I was, I was a street kid, and I didn't know what was going on. And, and I called the pastor over and said, tell him, get the hands off me. <laughs> Fix and slap somebody right here in church. And, I, you know, and accidentally, he told me the right thing. Now, you've got to understand, the UPCs, I love them. They're going to make heaven if and they don't shoot right past it. They have a doctrine that you're not saved unless you speak in tongues. That's incorrect doctrine. I was not born again, and they're laying hands on me to speak in tongues. So I finally told the pastor, get, tell him, get the hands off me. So he told him, he saw, this guy's dangerous. We told him, just get away from him. He's going to hurt somebody. So he, I said, you're the pastor. You tell me what I'm supposed to do. Now, music is blaring, and people are shouting, and everybody's, you know, this is the guy we fasted for for two weeks, and he's here. 
And uh, so he told, accidentally told me the right thing. He said, fall on your knees and call on the name of the Lord with all your heart. Well, see, I was at, I was at a very, uh, I, I found the bottom of the sin barrel quicker than most people. I found it at 17. I'd, re, I'd scraped the bottom of the barrel and thought, dear Lord, if this, is, this is the high life. I'm living the high life. This is horrible. This is miserable. If this is all there is to life, I'm, I'm in deep trouble. You know, because so, I did everything that everybody's supposed to do to have fun, and I'd go home empty. Now, I'd pretend I was the life of the party, but when I went home, I knew better. So anyway, long story short, I, I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit on me for about four years because of a godly people praying for me. And don't ever think it's not working. It's working. Oh, yeah. It's working. So when I, knelt, when, I, when I gave my life to Jesus, I'm telling you, it was like somebody standing in front of a train. When, when eternal life entered my spirit, it, it, it was almost like a blood transfusion in my body. I, I, when, I, when I got up, I said, now I'm 17 now. I, can't, I, I doubt I could even find John 3.16 in the Bible. But I stood up and I said, well, that's it. And when I said that's it, I meant this is the course of my life. I can never get away from what God just did. He put a love hook in my jaw. Oh, yeah. That was so deep and so strong, I could never, ever deny what just happened. The second thing is, I asked five or six people, who changed the lights? What? Who changed the lights? They trocal. What do you? Somebody messed with the lights. Why, why are you? Why are you saying? It? I said, I see color now. I can see color. Didn't know that for years. I hadn't even. I was in such a dark place spiritually. I wasn't seeing. Physically, was not seeing. Everything was muted. And when I got born again and opened my eyes, I was like, Good night. What? Something happened. And uh, since then, I've met a few people that said that. They started seeing color. 18 years old, I'm sparking with this godly lady over here who in high school I knew I didn't have hope, a prayer, prayer with because she, she was in a leave it, leave it to beaver spirit-filled home. People told her Paul Trocal got saved. Debbie said, well, I'll, I'll have to see that. <laughs> but at 18 years old, we're up at, we're up at Ramah in, in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I pulled her aside and I said, by the way, I, I, I want you to know I don't have anything to go back to. I will never not serve Jesus. Secondly, I'm going to pastor I don't know how many years. It's going to be a while. After that, I'm going to be a missionary. And I need to know if you're okay with that. Because this is getting serious, what I'm feeling with you. She said, well, I was called before you were. <laughs> and, that, and that's because she's so much older than me. She, she robbed the cradle, but the baby's so sweet.
That's, that's my life. Mark chapter 1. I want to talk about the transmission of God's power. The transmission of God's power. Mark chapter 1. And we're, I'll refer to some scriptures to save time. Mark chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preaching, what did he preach? The gospel of what? Of the kingdom of God. Hmm. And saying the time is fulfilled. And the, and the what is at hand? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, you can write these down if you're no, write this down if you're a note taker. Matthew 4:23, Matthew 4:23 and Matthew 9:35 refer to him preaching the kingdom. But let's move ahead over to Matthew 24. Matthew 24 verse 14 and this gospel this gospel which gospel? What particular gospel? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Uh, my wife loves movies. I, I love books. My, life, my wife loves movies. I go to movies because I love my wife. And... and uh, one of the things, I would rather watch a movie about how they made a movie than to watch the movie itself because I find that more interesting. And, you know, I noticed that uh, in, in, the, in the series of getting the uh, shot taken, the director often says the same thing. Now, we all know that he says action, right? Action. Can anybody tell me what he says before he says action? Anybody tell me? It's, it's common. He, he screams out, people, places. Because on the set, there is literally a mark on the floor where every actor is supposed to be. Before the call to action, they've got to get the right person in the right place. So the director will say, people, places, please. Action. Now listen, that's where we are. That's where the church is right now. The director of heaven is about to release things in the earth. Come on. Yes. There is going to be revival. I don't know that it's going to look like what people are thinking. I believe it's going to be more pockets of revival. Little fires all over the United States. And, and you know, people in America, they, got it, they, get, they get all squirrely in their mind because sometimes our... Our, 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 our theology gets a little screwy. It gets a little goofy. Because, you know, if you want to ask people today, what is the gospel? Mo a lot of people in America would say the gospel is God loves me uh, just like I am. Well, that's part of the gospel. But if that's all you got, you, you got a very skewed idea of what the gospel is. It includes his love, but the nature of his love is so great, he, don't, he, he accepts you wherever you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. 
He loves you too much to leave you like you are. And his love is not a stamp of approval over all your behavior in your life. So I like to say it like this. Entrance into the kingdom of God is unconditional. Now, you ain't got to do nothing or be nothing. God takes everybody right where they are, lowest of the low, dirtiest of the dirty. It don't phase him. He'll take you right where you are. <clears throat> Listen, service in the kingdom is different. Service in the kingdom, you got to qualify. You're in the military, what you in? Army, okay. You can't show up to enter the army with one leg. Go ahead now. I'm going to go to my, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm signing up for the army and you got pants on, they don't know. So you go to the doctor's office, they got to give you an exam, I take it, right? The doctor said, you know, strip down to your skivvies and you strip down and you got a wooden leg and he goes, well, uh, we don't need to go any further because you can't fight in the army. You, you, you actually need, you really do need two legs. Now, your heart may be good. Your heart's as good as gold. And you love the army and you love your nation and you want to serve. And all that's good and that's great. And, and you're to be commended for being patriotic and wanting to sacrifice. And, but, but even the United States Army will tell you, you can't run with us with only one leg. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, we gotta do something else. And a lot of people in church, they, 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 they got a skewed idea of the kingdom of God and ministry in the kingdom of God and, and, and what it takes, you know, uh, to get something happening in your life, you know. In the, in the book of Acts, you had to be full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost just to serve soup to widows. Oh, yeah. If you ain't full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, we don't even want you serving soup. Right. It's not us being mean. It's us, us saying there's a, there's a right way that God uses. And it doesn't mean you got to be perfected in everything. If that were true, God couldn't do anything. So there's that balance between your imperfection and yet at the same time you qualify. You get full of the Holy Ghost. You get full of wisdom. You get full of faith. And, and you step out by the word of the Lord. You're led by the Spirit. You ain't just going helter-skelter. You got a good reputation. You don't beat your wife. You pay your bills. You show up for church faithful. You got a good reputation. <coughs> nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with it. Doesn't mean we're mean to say, you know, sweetheart. Uh, you say, well, I'm called the I'm I'm called the worship team. Okay, let's hear you sing, and it's you know, you know, it, it sounds like a pregnant cow giving birth, you know. But you, but you believe God called you to the singing ministry, you know. I had a lady like that in in, in a church I pastored. And, Somehow, she ended up getting a microphone, and it was on a Sunday morning, and we're on TV live, and, and oh my God, we're singing something, and I'm, and I'm leading worship, and I'm hearing this behind me thinking, dear God in heaven, what is that? I turn around, I see a new face, you know, and it was, it was very tough. It was, this was heartbreaking for me because she slipped through the crack, you know. My, my music director was supposed to test people. 
And, she, and, and this lady said, I, God's called me. I had a vision, and uh, God called me the music ministry. She goes, well, you, we, need a, we got somebody sick this week. We need you to fill in. She didn't test her. Oh, my God. It was horrible. I love her. Heart was great. Heart was great. Great heart. Great spirit. Great, great everything, you know. But here now I got to undo what my music director, because she didn't do her job. Now I got to undo this deal. <clears throat> so I called her in and uh, I said, you know, I understand that you, uh, uh, you feel that the Lord's called. She goes, oh, yeah, I had a vision. And God, God said, I'm, 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 I'm called the music, music ministry. I said, uh, no, you're not. No, you're not. And he didn't. I promise you, I promise you, you need to trust me as your pastor. You, this is one of those, you just need to trust me. I promise you, he did not, and you are not. Oh, yeah. She started crying. She said, I'm sorry. But then the Holy Ghost showed me exactly what, what her gifting was. And I started talking to her about it. We had these fellowships, you know, small town, but you know, we got 250 people on a Sunday night. We had these fellowships. You got to feed a lot of people. That's a lot of tables. That's a ton of catfish. That's a lot of order. And we used to have just mess because confusion and nobody. And we just do the best we can and get through it. I saw her house, man. Everything's in order. How she arranged everything. How she kept. I said, I want you to be over all weddings and all church fellowships. I said, we need order in the house of God. She, she started crying and wiping her. She was, I, th I think I can do that. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can do that. Next Sunday night, we're going to have fellowship. We had like 250 people. I walked in. The tables were all in order. The, 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 the coverings on the tables, the chairs, all the servants had aprons. They were all standing there. I walked in that building. I said, dear, I felt the Holy Ghost. <laughs> we had the desserts on one table, the drinks, the catfish. It was all, it moved seamlessly. We got 250 people sat down and eaten in about 10 minutes. She's over, she's over grinning like a Cheshire cat, you know? Now, let me, let me take it a step further. There's a, there's a right time, there's a right place, there's a right person. But let me, let me take it one step further. We're talking about the transmission of God's power. Because it doesn't matter how powerful God's power is unless that power goes through a transmission it is transmitted somehow. Just like the engine in your car, you can have the most powerful engine in your car, but if your transmission is faulty, all of that power is wasted, misguided, or not even used at all. And there's a great, there's a great, people want God's power. They say they want God's power. But let me just take it a step further that there's something greater than being in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Here it is. It's the motive. It's the motive of your heart. You want a full transmission of God's power. Your motive has to be the same as his. You can write it down. If a person will want what God wants for the same reason God wants it, they become invincible. Oh, yeah. They become unstoppable. That's right. 
If a person will want what God wants for the same reason God wants it, they become unstoppable. You can't stop that person. Come up here, brother. Mr. McMillan, come up here. You're going to be God. Come on, come up here. I don't know if y'all recording. Are they recording this? So I need to keep the mic? Okay. I'll, I'll, all right, all right. All right, now, here, here is the Lord, my shepherd. Right? What does is, what is Psalms, Psalms 23 say? Come on, y'all quote it. Uh-huh. Yeah, he leads me. He leads me in paths of righteousness, of righteousness to make me look good. He leads me in paths of righteousness to increase my ministry, to to validate my anointing, to multiply my church. No, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. So now we're walking, and all I'm doing is following the Lord, my shepherd. I'm, all, I'm only on this path because it's the path he's taken. Come up here, Ted. Come up here, Ted. Now, get up there, get up there brother, beside Ted. Get up. Now, we're heading down this path, and we got, we got, we got two demons. <laughs> side by side. Get side by side. Get, no, no, no. Come on, brother. You know I'm playing. Side by side. All right? So we got, we got, now, we got, two we got two demons. Now, listen, the only reason I'm on this path, my, my motive for being on this path is to be pleasing and obedient to the Lord, my shepherd. I'm, I'm here because he wants me here. I'm walking this path because it's what he wants. So I'm behind the Lord, my shepherd, and I'm wanting what he wants for the same reason he wants it. So now these two demons are going to try to stop me. Oh, my Lord. Now, in order, in order to get to me, y'all following? In order to get to me, because I'm only on this path behind the Lord, my shepherd, the only way to get to me is to get through my God. He's going to whack, 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 whack. And we're going to walk right. But listen, what are we, what we doing? We're going to walk right through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, hang on. Come up here, Pastor Ziggy. Come up here, man in gray. Come up here, man in gray and black. Now, get right behind me. Now here. Uh -uh. Right on my hip, one on my hip, one on my other hip. Now, look here. I got goodness and mercy. <laughs> Every time I stop, I get bumped into my backside by goodness and mercy. Now, now we on, we on the love train. We're following the Lord our shepherd. Everywhere I, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, with goodness and mercy in tow. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, somebody give the Lord yes. praise. Come on, give the Lord praise. I want to thank the Lord, my shepherd. I want to thank the two demons. I want to, I want to thank. 
Now, some of you, I don't know, you don't know who Lester Summerall is. Lester Summerall at one time was, he's passed on, he's an apostle. He was a giant in the faith. Now, I'm serving as a youth pastor, but the Lord, uh, the, the Lord used uh, me in music also. So I led worship for many years. So I'm at this mega church on staff. I'm the youth pastor, but the pastor wants me to be the worship leader now too. Well, I had led worship one Sunday in a, in a big church, and I'm a young, young man. And Lester Summerall's coming next Sunday. He's going to be standing five feet behind me. And my pastor put the screws to me. He said, Lester Summerall's coming. Praise and worship better be good. <laughs> so I got up on Sunday morning, and I am shaking like a leaf. I got up at 6 o'clock, and I started my praying at 6 o'clock. Oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, I'm literally, I'm shaking in the bathroom. I'm shaking with fear. And I'm crying, and I'm begging God for his anointing. And that went on for a solid hour of me praying in tongues and begging God. Finally, in the middle of all that intense begging, I hear the voice of the Lord. Now, when the Lord speaks to you, he can also do something at the same time. And that's what he did that morning. When he spoke to me, he yanked the cover off of my own heart, and I saw myself. I saw something that I did not see before. This is what the Lord said. I said, oh God, please give me your anointing. And the Lord said to me, why? And when he said, why, he yanked the cover off of my heart. And I saw my motive. And it broke my heart. And I, I just had to say, because I don't want to embarrass myself in front of the man of God. And he said, I can't answer that prayer. You'll have to change it. I don't give my anointing to keep you from looking embarrassed. So I said, okay, give me your anointing that I might lift your people into your presence. He spoke to me and said, now that I can answer. Quit praying, save your voice. I got up that Sunday and heaven came down. Lester Summerall told my pastor, there's not a demon in hell that can stay in worship like this. That's validation for a young man. So it's not just important what you're doing. I felt like when I walked in the building that really this church would be really unorthodox. You know it's going to be completely unorthodox because your pastor is completely unorthodox. That's the beginning of it. But really, the Lord wants to raise up a whole church full of ministers. And you already know that. So when it comes to a church that's going to walk in that much power, that much anointing, if you don't get the motive right, you can hurt yourself. People say all the time, I want a New Testament church. Uh, you, you know what you're... If you... What you really mean is you want your version. Right. Come, on now. Come on now. 
Because listen, a true New Testament church had so much power in it that if you gave an offering with the wrong motive, you could drop dead. You and your wife on the same day. They wouldn't even two Sundays apart. It was the same service. I want a New Testament church. I want a new... Maybe you do, maybe you think you do. Because in the New Testament church, everything about motive was very important. There was a man named Simon the sorcerer. He wanted the power of God. He wanted the power of God so he could lay hands on people and they get the Holy Ghost. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds good. Peter called him out and said, it's the most evil thing you could think in your heart, that you could buy the power of God with money. Your money perish with you. Wow. The dude just got saved, and Peter's saying, your money perish with you. Why? You don't bring that type of motive into a place with this type of power. You could get yourself killed. I know in this loosey-goosey, gracie, gracie, lovey-dovey atmosphere that we're living in that Jesus will never say anything to even hurt your feelings. That people have a hard time receiving stuff like this. But like I say, you want to be, you want to be a real New Testament church? You want to be real? You want to really have the real power of God? You've got to get down and listen to me. It's not always easy because it takes the Holy Spirit to bring you to a place of real objectivity. Where you can see your own heart. You can't see yourself without the help of the Holy Spirit. You may think that you're doing what you're doing for, and it could be outwardly all the right things you're wanting. I wanted the anointing. I wanted the anointing. The anointing is not a bad thing to want. I wanted the anointing. That's a good thing. But it was all wrong because I only wanted it. And that's really how I got saved, you know. In, in a sense, I, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. Go ahead, man. Well, go that's, ahead. A, that's okay to get saved on. That's enough to get saved on. That, I'm not condemning that. I'm saying you can't stay in that place. Go ahead, man. You can't stay in that place where I, I'm just coming to church for what, what it can save me from or what it can get me. And we all start there, and God winks at it, and he's okay with it. Little babies are basically selfish creatures. It's the nature of being a baby. Wah! Give me now. Uh, That's natural. That's normal. You know, in the process of of your spiritual growth, in the beginning, we are pretty selfish. And and that's okay. That's kind of normal. As long as you don't stay there. Oh, yeah. I got that way. And even, I'm ashamed to say, even pastoring, I had issues. We had, yeah, we had God visit our our church. Yeah, we had breakthrough. Yeah, we had multiplication. But I went through hell before it happened. I was in the, I was praying in the spirit and I saw the hand. I saw a vision with the hand. I don't see a lot of visions and hear a lot of voices all the time. Most of the time when the Lord speaks to me, he's telling me to shut up. <laughs> I don't know about everybody hears different stuff. I, I hear shut up a lot. I hear don't. 
I hear, stop it. That's kind of the stuff I hear. I don't know about y'all, but I, that's just where I live. But I did, I did have a, vi, vi, a mini vision. And this is, what, this, is what it, this is what it was. I had prayed for one solid hour in the church. God was moving. God was doing stuff. And it was starting to grow. But in the spirit, I saw this hand. I knew it was the hand of the Lord. It went like this. And this the Lord said to me, I've blessed you as far as I can. I can't bless you any further. I said, why? And he said, you know. Now, when he said, you know, it's the same thing. That cover got yanked. I said, yeah, I know. Now, what you don't know is my brothers and I, we would fist fight over chicken liver. We would tear the house. Yeah, we would tear the house down. Mom would go fry chicken and we couldn't wait for that chicken liver to come out of that fryer because, buddy, it was on. I mean, we tear the house up over who's going to get the chicken liver. One day, my mom got so mad, she went and bought a whole thing of chicken liver, fried up the whole thing, called us in the kitchen, said, there it is. On the, she said, you're tearing the house up, fighting blood and bloody noses and over one piece. Of, there's a whole plate of it there. She walked out. Two hours later, she came back. The whole plate was still there. Man, she called us in. She was chewing us out, screaming at us. You fight like to the death each other over one piece of chicken liver. I make a whole plate. You don't touch it in two hours. Screaming at us and hollering. I finally raised my hand. What? I said, we, we don't like chicken liver. We just like to fight. None of us like chicken liver. If you like chicken liver, you're strange. What's wrong with you? So you got to understand, that's the type of competitiveness that my daddy encouraged in our home. He's going to make us men. So we fought over everything. So now I'm a pastor, and our church is growing. Guess what? The Lord spoke to me and said, you got Cain Christianity. I said, what is Cain Christianity? It's not only do you want the blessing, you don't want your fellow brothers to be blessed. So in the town I live, I know this is horrible to confess, but it was the truth. When our church was growing, I was excited. When my brother's church down the road was growing, who I considered myself to be more spiritual than, I was mad about it. I wasn't happy about it. And the Lord basically told me, you have hit the ceiling on your blessing in your life because your motive behind what you're doing is totally wrong. You have to expand. Does anybody get anything out of this? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go too long. Blessed are the brief. They shall be invited back. <laughs> Had a man in my church. And this is, this is, you know, God's helping me. And I'd like to say that I changed overnight, but it took several times of God dealing with me before it finally got through my thick head that, 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 that the gospel is about the kingdom of God. Amen. So one of my board members, country boy, Arkansas, said to me, Pastor, I have an idea for ministry. I said, what is it? It's called Master's Hands. We do things for people that, that they can't do for themselves. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to build a wheelchair ramp for this guy. He's a, he's a Vietnam vet, and he can't get up in his house anymore, and he needs a, a ramp. 
to get itself up. In. And I'm thinking the church had grown really fast. And I'm thinking, wait a minute now. I don't know of any Vietnam vet that we got in the church that needs a wheelchair ramp. So I said, Jim, I don't, we don't have anybody in church. He said, no, he, he, he's not in our church. I said, oh, 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 you want us to build a ramp so he'll start coming to our church. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, I want to build him a ramp because he needs a ramp. You see, that didn't compute with me as a pastor. Why should I do something for somebody and, and the church get no payoff? Where's the payoff for the church? You want us to spend our money on this guy? And you don't even care? What, what do you mean? Yeah, help somebody who can't help you because they need help. Changed my life forever. Our church started helping people regardless of what they could do for the church. Go ahead, man. Guess what happened? We entered kingdom business. You know what happened when we entered kingdom business? The heavens opened over our church. Go ahead, man. Kingdom business meant people of color. My God, we're in southern Arkansas. Go ahead, man. We had to tackle that demon with a KKK after us. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. It don't matter. We broke through. Oh, yeah. Because God so loved the whole world. Okay, well. Praise the Lord. It changed. We started doing something. For, had a couple come. I'll close with this. Had a couple come. Brand new couple. Now, look, I'm praying for revival, and the whole church is filling up with strange people. I went back to the Lord over it and I said, I don't think you heard me clearly enough. I want revival and the church is filling up with really weird people. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I won't send you the people that every church wants until you love the people that no church wants. Go ahead, man. Boy, that's right. I said, oh, it's a test. It's a test. So we started passing the test. Start passing the test. So this couple came. It was, a, it was a rare thing. They were normal. I mean, everybody that was walking through the door had some jerk or pop or something. They were messed up. These couple walked through there. It's just normal. They both had jobs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tithe-paying couple. Had two kids. They seemed kind of normal. You know, they were there after church. They told me what a blessing it was. Oh, my God, this is a great church. We love your preaching. I went home, and something wasn't right. I said, Lord, something's not right. They came back to church the next Sunday. They worshiped. They, they, they prayed. They gave. I'm looking at them. They're smiling. They're shaking my hand after church. It, it's a great message. I go home. Something, something's not right. I prayed, and I said, Lord, what, 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 what's up with this? What, why am I feeling Something not, he goes, uh, they're, they're not supposed to be in your church. Now that, that's offensive. Everybody's supposed to be in our church. No, they're not supposed to be. I'm going to use you to connect them to another church. They're supposed to belong to this, this church around the corner from you. Call them in on Monday and talk to them about it. It's me. I'm doing it. I said, okay. Okay, so they both professionals had jobs, but they could come for lunch. So they came for lunch, and they're all smiling, sit down. I had a nice 
lunch prepared for them, and, and they took, we prayed, took the first bite. I said, something's wrong. They burst out in tears. We know it. We don't understand it. I said, uh, I think I know it. Let's finish our sandwich. Got him in the car and said, follow me. Went around the corner, went to the pastor's house, knocked on his door. I said, this is so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, I think, they're, I think they would fit in your church. They're looking for a new church. Why don't y'all go in? They went in. They stayed in that church 25 years. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> next, Sunday, next, next Sunday night, that, 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 that story had spread all over. See, we, we, we're in a little southern town. You can't pass gas at 10 that everybody don't know by 2. So, so that, that, story, that story spread all over town. Can you believe what this pastor did for us? We've, we found the church we're supposed to be in. We found the pastor we're supposed to be under. And this pastor is the one that helped facilitate that. Unheard of in the South. Go and, ahead, and, and my board hadn't heard of it either. <laughs> so I got called on the carpet Sunday night after church. We heard this bizarre story that you led that new couple that was visiting to, to, to over there. What, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> I said, well, I hope I'm doing kingdom business. That's right. And I hope you got enough sense to trust me as your leader. That's right. And you know what they did? They said, we're going to trust you. In the next two months, we've got three new families. Oh, yeah. God's got enough blessing for all of us, doesn't he? Amen. The transmission of his power works the greatest when the motive for that power is the right motive. Amen. Let's stand up. Yes, sweetheart, come on. You say anything. I just kept hearing... Um, the Psalms 19, it says, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. We can change that word meditation out with motivation. Yes. Let the motive of my heart be acceptable. And when we're bold enough to pray that, he'll show you where it's not. And then we have to be bold enough to change that. And it's not to make you feel bad about you. It's to help you go to a new level in him. So make that your, your goal this week. Lord, make my motives acceptable. Let me see my motive. I, Paul and I were talking about the Ananias and Sapphira thing. And I said, you know, I don't think they probably walked in there that day thinking I'm going to deceive everybody. Somehow they convinced themselves that it was okay what they were doing. And, and I, just, I just think that they somehow decided we're giving our offering, and yes, and, and we're okay about that. And I don't think they walked in there just purposely saying, I'm going to lie to the Holy Ghost today. But we can do that when the Holy Spirit starts shedding light on those things in our heart. And then we, we say, well, I, I don't think that's really me. No, if he's showing you, it really is you. And let him help you change that so you can do more for the kingdom. That's a word. How many agree that's a word? Would you lift your hands up? Lord, I, I, I believe there's a call of God on this church that's very unique. It's very different. And it's going to take a very unique people to, to pull off what you're doing. And it's not, it can't. It can't come with a lot of serious prayer.
I believe in these last days, you're looking for places to transmit your power. Miracles, signs, and wonders. It's not going to be a star mentality with one guy up doing everything. All roads leading through the one guy. It's going to be a body of people that are being used by you. The church rising up to normal, what other people call revival, we just call normal. Lord, use us. In these last days, use us. And we, don't, we, we say us, meaning we don't care who you use. Just be among us. Pour out your gifts of your spirit. Distribute them among us as you will. I don't have to be used. I'm willing and I'm ready and I want to be, but I'm not going to be jealous or envious if you choose my brother or sister as long as somebody gets saved, as long as somebody gets healed, as long as somebody gets delivered in their mind. Use whoever you want to use. Now, I have this in my heart and not going to be long and drawn out about it but if you're here and you feel that there's there's possibly a call for you to go to some other nation you don't really understand when or how or in what way but if if you're here and you say you know I feel that not everybody's going to have that and it doesn't mean that you're unspiritual if you don't and it doesn't mean that you're spiritual if you do it just means it's God's choice and God's plan. But if that's you, I'd like to, Debbie and I, to lay hands on you and pray for you. You feel that call to other nations. You feel that call to other nations. I'm not going to belabor it, but if you feel that, you're going to step on foreign soil in some way, somehow. You don't really know how. Don't really know what way, when, how that's going to work out, how that's going to look. Step out, step out, step out. Sweetheart, would you come? Anybody else? Would y'all stretch your hands out this way? You don't have to know how. You just need to know all things are possible. All things are possible. It's been in your heart. It's put there by him. He'll work it out. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. He'll. Now, I don't push people down. I lay hands on people real gently. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for destiny. Destiny in her life. You make the way clear. You make it clear. You bring provision. Provision. You can do it. It's not too late. 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 Thank you for your hand, your calling, your gifts. We rejoice in you. We rejoice in you. We bless you. Thank you for making a way. Making a way, making a way, making a way. Hallelujah.
If there's anybody here, look up, look up at me. And you had something of a past like me as, as, a, as a young person. And you just, you need the Lord to heal your broken heart over something. Would you come? Would you come? So I just need the Lord to heal. I need the Lord to do some miracles. Would you come? Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. He can make an end. L- look up at me. Look up at me. Everybody that's here for that, look up at me. I can, I can retell what happened. I don't exactly forget it in the sense that I can't even recall it. That, that pain. But let me tell you what. The stinger of that thing has been taken out. It's been totally taken out. I function as a, as a, as a husband to my wife in a healed place. I function as a daddy to my kids in a healed place, a healthy place. And now I'm functioning as a grandfather of six and one on the way. I'm functioning as a grandfather who's healed of all that. All I can tell you is don't allow the devil to make your pain so special that God can't heal it. It probably was horrible. I shared with you just a little bit about mine. It was, I didn't even go into detail. Don't want to. Why? I've been healed of it. I've been healed of it. No sense in going into detail of what I've been healed from. I'm healed of it. Sweetheart, come up here. So I'm just going to lay hands on you just like I would if it were your physical body. Because Jesus is still anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Now what can I, what can I tell you after, after today? What I can tell you after today is quit talking about it. Amen. After today we're going to say, you know, that's under the blood. I had a lot of shame in my life. Oh, I was so ashamed of the stuff I'd done. Hurt people. I can't, I can't undo it. I did it. My heart's broken over it. What did he do? He took away my shame. Not only did he take my sin, he took the shame of my sin. I'm standing before him like it never happened. Like I never did it. Stretch your hands out this way. Jesus is still the same. He's still the same. He's anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Let it be under the blood. Let it be under the blood today. And let the door slam shut on the past. What happened? The effects of it? No more. Now, an overwhelming peace. No more torment. No more torment. No more. I say no more. 
in the name of Jesus. I say no more. God will use it. It'll be a testimony. You'll talk about it, but not the same way. God will use it. But now, today, he's just healing it. He's just healing it. of demarcation this part of my past is over the pain of it the effects of it the memory of it even over in Jesus name mm. we, we receive we receive we receive stretch your hands out this way come on church pray Pray for these people. What a healing the Lord's doing in you, sweetheart. He's doing it. He is doing it. Just as sure as I'm standing here, He's doing it. And don't take a long time either. You wake up in the morning, you feel like a completely different person. Thank you, Lord. No depression. Come against the spirit of depression. Break it. I break it over your life. I break mental depression. You have no place in her mind anymore. I break it now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let her be known for joy. Let her be known for joy. In the precious name of Jesus. No more mental torment. No more. No more. Thank you, Lord. You are able, you are able, you are able. And you are willing. So let it be today for my sister. Total healing. Total healing. Total healing. Jesus Christ makes you whole. <laughs> he makes you whole. He makes you whole. Jesus makes you whole. Thank you for doing it right now. No more shame. No more shame. No more uncleanness just purity of the spirit washing of the water by the word of God over your soul over your conscience over your mind so that you know that you're a daughter of God accepted by God 100% you're his daughter you're his daughter he's calling you he's calling you right now I don't know your name but he's calling your name I hear him calling your name all in your name. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work that you can do because you're so sweet. You love us so much. 
and you make us whole. Thank you, Lord. Nothing will hinder you being used by God. Nothing will hinder you. There is nothing, there is nothing hindering you now after this. After today, there's nothing. There's nothing hindering you being fully used by God in all that he's called you to. Thank you for doing it, Lord. Work of the Holy Spirit in us to do what we couldn't do ourselves. What psychiatrists couldn't do or pills or nothing. Nothing but your Holy Spirit rooting out. Rooting it out of our lives. and Like a surgeon. Something dead that's trying to cling. It can't stay. Can't stay anymore. Will not be a part of her future. Will not be a part of her future. In Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name. Paul Aman Sele Ishon. Sele Alvon Vrosomai. Jenemon Sustula Bukandi. Individis. Individisni Anokusabadanaya. Thank you for your hand. Total healing. Total healing. No more scars, no more pain, no more pain, no more self-inflicting anything, breaking a pattern of self-sabotage. We break a pattern of self-sabotage. We break it in the name of Jesus. You will not continue to sabotage your own future. You will not do it. You're going to quit hurting yourself. You're going to start doing stuff that's healthy for you that's good for you and those habits of, of of hurting yourself maybe not intentionally but end up doing it anyway affecting your decisions God's putting an end to that right now you're going to start making better decisions sweetheart God's going to show you what to do can we lift our hands can we lift our hands can we worship the Lord can we worship the Lord He's healing. He's healing. Thank you, Lord, for doing it. Thank you for your goodness, how much you love us. How much you love us. Your acceptance. Your acceptance is greater than anybody's rejection. Your acceptance is greater than anybody's rejection. I thank you for bathing my sister in in the spirit of how much she's accepted in the house of God in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, you belong. You belong. I hear the Holy Spirit say, you belong to me. You're mine. You're mine. You're nobody else's. You're mine. You're mine. Completely. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. All the sweetness, the sweetness we can never deserve any of it anyway so we can't come on what we've done or what we haven't done or get all tied up in our mind do I really deserve this none of us deserve any of it we get it because he's so good not because we are he just does it because that's how good he is thank you for making an end a demarcation in her spiritual life that from today the door is slammed shut on the past whatever happened it's over 
thank you that you dig in her soul and take the stinger out this morning as only you can do. You can do it. You can do it. And you're doing it. You're doing it. Thank you, Father, right now. Thank you for healing. Such a sweet, sweet thing the Lord's doing in you. Such a sweet thing the Lord's doing in you. Hallelujah. And I think that the Lord is going to pour in sweet water where there's been bitter. It's just going to take out the bitterness. It's all going to be gone. That's what he's doing. You're going to be baptized in some sweet water. You're going to be baptized in some sweet water. Thank you, Lord, right now. You're the healer. You're the healer. You make us whole. Make my sister whole today. Oh, how he loves you, sweetheart. How he loves you so much. How he loves you. And he's answering right now. Right where you're standing, he's answering. He's answering right now. He's answering. Spin off into other members of her family that were affected. Spin off into other relationships that were affected. Let the grace and healing that's in her be extended to her family. In Jesus' name, put an end to this suffering. Put an end to it in an extended way. Not just her, but her family. Thank you for doing it. Can we rejoice in the Lord? Can we rejoice? Can we rejoice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're doing a work. You're doing a work in her. Doing a work in her. Now, you need to know, like I said to somebody else, I forget who I said, you need to know that there's nothing hindering you now from being used. All that's gone. You got full steam ahead on being used by God. There's nothing anymore that can hold you back and stop you. He's dealt with it today. He's dealt with it today. You got full approval by God to move forward, to move out of that. Can we rejoice in the Lord? Can we rejoice in the Lord? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, praise God. How many of you received something today? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands and thank God one more time for all that he's done. Lord, for all that you've done, we thank you. Lord, for all that you're going to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Whoa, thank you. Praise God. What a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Listen, Jesus is here. Amen. He's here still yet. Praise God, working and moving. And whatever it is that you have need of, you know, he'll supply everything that you have need of according to his riches and glory. And a lot of times we equate that to money, but that's, listen, he's everything that you ever needed, that you ever will need. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. 
Listen, just I want to. I just want to present one last thing to you before we go. You know, Brother Trokel. Uh, how many of you? How many of you understand now why we, we want to be connected with Brother Trokel in his ministry? Because this this ain't a brother. He just gets up here and talks about stuff. He's a, he's out there doing this stuff. And you know, there's a lot of people they don't do this stuff. And we were we were talking. He says, you know, I said, uh, he said, how do we want to do this? You know, I, I'm like, we want to support you. How do we go about this? What do what do you need? Do you need for my folks to send you something monthly? Do you need for the church to send you? He said, he said, we don't need any of that. The Lord's blessed us big time. He said, honestly, we don't need nothing. You know, that sounds familiar. That's what I tell people all the time. Our church, we don't need nothing. The Lord is blessed. Finance, as far as finances go, we don't, need not, we don't need another dime. We have all in a bound financially. But you know what we do need? We do need to be about making those kingdom connections. And so here's, here's, here's the thing. Brother Trokel puts on these leadership clinics in these different nations. And what he did for 19 years in that Bible school, raising up pastors, raising up leaders, <clears throat> he is now doing in these clinics, how long do these clinics last? Three weeks, four to six weeks. So between four and six weeks, he goes in and he, he, he raises up leaders. He raises up leaders. You know what he tells them? Heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. Freely you've received, freely give. You know, when he goes to talk to him, he says, what have you done? They said, well, we've healed the sick. We've cast out devils. We've raised the dead. Free. You know, it, it's only here in this nation where you tell people that and they just, they clap, but they don't do it. But the men that he's telling to do these things, they're going out and doing it. When that man told him, 38 churches. And he's like, 38? Well, that's what you told me to do. That's what you told me to do. You know, that it's not like, it's, it's di like he said, it's different. L listen to me very carefully, just for one more second. I'm going to turn you loose. It costs them, listen, you're, you're not even going to believe this. It only costs them $10,000 to do a clinic to raise up leaders for eight weeks. Uh, please do. I, I, I kind of like to give you an idea why. Because somebody might think, why does it cost 10000 Well, that's not first-class tickets to get anywhere. We just go, but we pay for food for those students while they're there. We, we feed them. This, this trip, when we go next week back to Burundi, we pay their transportation to and from, and it's going to be about $4,000 just to get them there. They don't have the money, but they want to come. So we pay the transportation, the food. Uh, we're buying Bibles for everybody that comes this time because some of these pastors only have a page or two of the Bible. They don't have a whole Bible. And so we're going to make sure everybody goes with the Bible. We're using that money for them. And I just, you know, I know some people go, 10000 why? Because we're using it for them. We had to buy um, 20 translators because we have 20 of the students that speak a language that it's not even going to be translated into that language. So we have to hire translators, pay their salaries to do that translation for those people. We, we have to hire the cooks because they cook the meals for us. So there's a lot of expense like that. Um, and the students are getting that money. 
listen, you, I know, I know you all are hearing me and, uh, Brother Trokel his, and, and Sister Trokel, they don't know y'all like I know you. They know that they, they don't know that you don't, you, that you don't even consider whatever you, you know that what they're doing is the work of God. And they're not, you know, good and well, they're doing the work. We don't bring anybody up in here that ain't doing the work of God. One time, maybe. But anyhow. Uh, but. <laughs> maybe one time. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be a part of raising pastors up in another. I am personally sowing $2,500 of $10,000 for, for a clinic next year. And I want some of you to join me. I want some of you to commit. Now, you don't have to sow that today. Um, I would prefer if you did. You don't have to sow that today. But I'm personally going to sow $2,500 toward a clinic. And as a church, we're going to sponsor at least one clinic in 2023, at least one. We're going to maybe, maybe, maybe one, because 2022 is taken care of. They're like, well, you can't do one in 2022. It's all done. So lots of people beat us to it already. Um, we'd like to have been the first, but then it would have been that competition. It wouldn't have been good. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we can, we can, we can, we can do this. And so, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to have you uh, uh, through a uh, uh, show of hands or whatever, but I do want you to come see me after service. If you, if you want to help to train up leaders and to raise people up and tell me what, tell me what you will pledge toward this or you'll give toward this. Like I said, it would be great if we could get it today. If we don't get it today uh, and it takes over a period of time, that is, that's fine too. Uh, but not only are we going to do that, that's just one thing that we want to do. That's, that's a project that we want to do. I want to, I want to see a video. I want, to, I want to be able to punch a video and play you the video of the clinic that we sponsored and see what God did in that clinic. You understand? So one day in next year, we're going to put a video in and we're going to watch what we did in Burundi or wherever it was. Thank God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. So I want you to really uh, seek the Lord. You, you, honestly, most of you don't have to seek the Lord too hard. You know good and well what he wants you to do. So um, we're going we're gonna to do that. Not only that, but as a church, uh, as individuals, uh, when you get on their mailing list, uh, make sure that you support what they're doing, where they're doing it. You know, um, they reassured me, we're not, we don't ask for money through this. It's like, I'm okay with y'all asking for money. It's, there's other people I'm a little reluctant about, but I'm, I'm not. When you're doing the work of God, it takes money to get it done. And that's, that's what we're about. We're about getting things done. So listen, I love you guys. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. Thank you so much, Paul and Debbie Trokel, our wonderful people. And we're so glad that we could partner with them. Uh, to uh, see this work done uh, in these other nations. Praise the Lord. So glad to have all of you today. Uh, I'm just so encouraged uh, by all that has happened here today and, and grateful to God for his goodness. Boy, I tell you, if it got any better, uh, I'd be in trouble. Amen. So anyhow, uh, Annie, you want to come? You want to pray over us? And You know, Pastor Paul said we don't chase after, I'm not chasing after skirts. I just one. I, I tell them often, I say, we're starting a new trend at Winter's Church. Uh, we're, we've decided at Winter's Church, we're all going to sleep with our own wives. Put an end to the nonsense, and we're just going to... 
for, for a change, you know, around the, pray over his baby, dismiss. Yep. Lord, we just, ooh, Jesus. Ooh, glory. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lord, we just come before you, God, and we thank you for your sweet presence today, God. And Lord, we just ask that you be with us today, God, that you go with Paul and, and Debbie, Lord, as they travel back. And uh, we thank you for your presence. In Jesus', Jesus name we pray, amen.